Hello and welcome to the That's My Truth podcast. I'm your host, Juliana, and I'm so glad you're tuning in today. If you are a first-time listener, I'd like to welcome you to the show. And if you are a returning listener, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode. This podcast features discussions with people who I admire and look up to about everything from career and wellness to social issues and friendship. If you are looking for ways to support the show, there are a few ways. First, you can leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Second, you can share an episode with a friend or share it on social media. And lastly, you can follow us on social media and anywhere we are present online. So check us out. But overall, more than anything, you listening is the most supportive thing you can do. So thank you for tuning in. Hello, and welcome to the That's My Truth podcast. I'm your host, Juliana, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. Happy Thursday. I hope that you had a good long weekend. If you took one or your work gave you one, or even if I know there some people are furloughed and employed, so whatever. I hope it was a restful weekend for you. I will admit this is my first day back after two days of PTO in the mountains with my fam, so But I'm excited for this episode. So this episode is with my friend Carrie from work, and she is lovely. So this was a really fun way to get to know one another a little bit better, or I guess me get to know her a little bit better. Um, She's someone that I've worked with for over two years and really enjoy working with. We have a great friendship as well as working relationship. So um, this was a really good chance for me to get to know her better, learn more about her life, um, kind of on a more (laughs) intimate level. And I, I also was just inspired by our discussion. So, and all of the information that she mentions, like the books, um, the accounts, anything will be featured in the show notes. So I know you're going to love this episode. It's a little bit of a shorter one, but I hope you enjoy and I'll turn it over to the interview. Hi, Carrie. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. (laughs) Yes, I'm happy that you're here, even though we live like less than a mile away from each other. We're remotely recording um, because of that pandemic, that pesky pandemic. But thanks so much for joining. I'm excited to have you. Can you start by introducing yourself? For sure. My name is Carrie, and I am a 25-year-old Vietnamese-American young professional (laughs) living in Northern Virginia. Okay, so I wanted to talk to you about a couple of different things, but I think it would be interesting to start with kind of your school education, all of that. So you have your Master in Public Health, and I'm just wondering what inspired you to get that degree? So growing up in small town Lexington, Virginia, there weren't a lot of medical centers. So we had a hospital, and um, they got rid of their their birthing center because I guess not a lot of people were you know giving birth so if you needed to give birth you needed to drive like 30 40 minutes away um so I feel like that is kind of like an indicator of like different uh like the available resources there so there weren't a lot of you know 
primary care physicians. And if they were, they were kind of on like rotation. So if you think about it, like when you graduate from medical school, you're probably going to go to like a metropolitan city to practice primary care. Um, or like, even if you're a specialist, you're not going to go to a small rural town <laughs> in Virginia. So that kind of just got me thinking about like population health and got me, you know, to be wondering about how these systems kind of work and the, 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 what, what plays into it. So then I started thinking about, you know, being in, being a healthcare worker, but then that changed into me wanting to do like public health and thinking about like policy. So I graduated from UVA and I stayed an extra year for a master's and here I am in Northern Virginia working at a healthcare consulting firm. Awesome. I love the background. That's that's really interesting. I didn't realize how small the and rural the town you grew up in is. So it's like it in Lexington itself, it, it is a, it's a college university, a college town. So there's a Virginia Military Institute in Washington and Lee. But once you like leave the, the town, it's very country. It's very rural. So, um, yeah, I would say like a lot of people live um, – it's like pretty blue collar, I guess. I think the main, the main industry there is kind of like service industry and you can work for the universities, but there isn't like a lot of, you know, consulting firms, big businesses or anything like that. Yeah. So very, very different, different place. <laughs> <laughs> like Where there's I- like a consulting firm name on every building yeah there's so many places up here so you you can say that you know moving up here it was a very big contrast for little old small town carry so i've definitely gotten used to it living up here for a couple of years the culture shock was incredible was it like that in charlottesville i would say that charlottesville is a step up from lexington so if you were did you come from a small town too or i'm not sure what you where you came from. <laughs> yes, I'm from suburbia. Yeah, so I would suburbia. say that, I don't know, like living from nor- in Northern Virginia, if you were to go to Charlottesville, you'd be like, oh, this is quaint. You know, there are a lot of like small businesses there, like wineries, the university. But then when you go to Lexington, you're like, oh, <laughs> there's nothing here. So um, definitely I appreciate it when I go back, but definitely appreciate the diversity in people, the diversity in food and yeah just like more opportunities for experiences i'm just curious about the town itself did you so you mentioned that you're vietnamese american are you a first generation vietnamese i am yep yeah i'm also first generation in college too i thought that was the direction you were you were going in but yeah my parents were are vietnamese and they came here in the 80s and 90s respectively and I was born in Marietta Georgia so we moved up here because my parents uh, have a nail salon yeah that was kind of my question but I guess I was just curious like why how how your parents ended up in Lexington you know that is a good question I never understood it myself (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of I guess they they got married um and they kind of wanted to do their own thing they had my dad had a friend that lived in Lynchburg so when they went to visit him I guess they passed through Lexington they're like this is very nice and a, a very quiet place to raise children so we they just ended up in Lexington and I think it's always 
interesting to hear how people end up in the cities or towns they end up in. So it's just like interesting immigration patterns and communities and things like that. Like, you know, obviously you want to be with people who are similar to you, speak the same language, things like that. You've, it's funny you say that because there weren't a lot of Vietnamese or Vietnamese or Asian in general families that um, I grew up with. So I was one of like the five or six Asian people at my school. And I think since graduating and moving, I haven't been you know living in Lexington for like seven or eight years now. So I'm sure the younger families have moved there, but definitely it's... um not very diverse in population for sure. So my parents are comfortable there though. They're doing their thing. <laughs> Your parents are small business owners. So I think you mentioned they own a nail salon and small businesses, as you know, are a lot of work, especially something that's service oriented. So like, you know, high demands on weekends and probably later at night. So I'm just curious how did that experience of having your family own a business shape your outlook on life and work and really anything? Yes, thanks for the question. My parents are very hardworking people. So every day from 10 to 7, they're at like the nail salon. Sundays, they're open from 12 to 5. Unless it's a bit a major holiday like Christmas or Thanksgiving, they're at the nail salon. Um, I think it's just kind of habit at this point in time. Like if you're at home, I guess they don't really know what to do <laughs> anyway, but they, they work really hard. And I think like growing up, I was always there. So I would, always, I grew up in the nail salon. I became like pretty close to pr the regular customers. And I think that that instilled in me a pretty hard work ethic and like, you know, I feel like I have a really strong drive as a result because like growing up there I like I, I respected it and definitely my parents worked really hard to get me to where I am now but definitely I did not want to do that for the rest of my life and having done that and like actually worked in the nail salon growing up I was like I kind of I definitely want something more for myself so I worked really hard in school and definitely did what I could to land me where I am right now I would say that I have made a lot of like great strides and I couldn't have done it without them. So definitely that was a really great learning experience and like a, a very great environment to grow up in because I learned a lot of soft skills. It was like a lot of the ladies were so nice <laughs> coming from a small town and they always like check up on you and encourage you and they still ask about me to this day. So I feel like I have a good, like I had a good network like all my, all throughout my life, <laughs> but for like, between my parents, you know, friends, but also just like the people who came into my parents' nail salon too. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Very cool. So when you were younger, did so you were constantly in the salon, like even on weekends and things like that? Oh yeah, it was a really big source of <laughs> contention with my friends because I, you know, that's the time when people hung out and my parents were always like, yo, you got to you got to be with us at the nail salon. We can't drive you to your friend's house because we're working. And then at that time, I was kind of like, dang, I wish I could be with them at that time. But growing up, I was like, it's just the two. So I think they really appreciated having me there. And even when I go back home now, even working like a full-time job, if I go home, I either will go there after work or take some time off and then end up working with them just because... 
it's what I know and definitely um, I love doing it. I love that it's kind of like a source of community too. Like that's sweet that people ask about you even after all these years. I know they, they always ask about me and honestly, sometimes they still give me Christmas gifts too. <laughs> even I feel like I've lived there for a while. It's very, it's very <laughs> kind. That's really sweet. But so you mentioned you were a first generation college student and I know that you were at Questbridge Scholar. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about Questbridge and your experience. Yes, for sure. So I learned about Questbridge when I was in high school because at Washington and Lee University, one of the partner schools, some college kids who were Quest scholars came to my high school and kind of uh, tried to recruit people and explain the benefits of it. So it's basically a program for high achieving, low income high school students. So I there were a lot of partner schools. One of them was the University of Virginia. There are schools across the nation. It's like Ivy League heavy. I think they definitely incorporated more schools since I graduated UVA. I'm not sure if UConn's on it, actually. I don't think they are, but I can also check. I mean, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, so they they tried to recruit me, and then I kind of looked into it in the summer before my senior year. A family friend, a customer at the nail salon, it's actually really nice. And she <laughs> took me to Princeton because they were having a conference there. And that was, yeah, that was really awesome. And I got to learn more about like the different schools, about the application process, like the requirements for that, meet a lot of other really bright people, like high school students and stuff. So that was really like a point where like I, I definitely need to apply for this and see if I, I can make it. So I, I came back. I definitely, it, it's a, the timeline is very, it felt like very condensed at the time because everything is due. Like your application is due before like everyone else's. So if anyone is listening who is applying through QuestBridge, please feel free to reach out to me because it can be kind of confusing. But basically you have to get your materials together. You put together like an application. There's a process in which like you can apply to be matched to a school. So that means that you're obligated to go there. But if you don't get it, um, which I didn't, I was a Quest Scholar. I got in through early action at UVA. And then that's basically a, a gold star beside your name when you apply to schools and they basically flag you for like financial aid and whatnot. So um, it was, they were, UVA was very generous with their, with their aid to me. So very grateful for that. And I definitely made some friends with people in the, the QuestBridge network while I was at UVA. And even after I, I went to some meetups with people who live in the, in the DC area. So it was great to see other people and see where they where they ended up after college. It seems like an awesome program. I mean, I'm, I don't know much about it, but just based on the description, it, it seems like um, there's support and also like financial support, which is good. Um, so QuestBridge is like, um, are they an organization? Yes, they are. So I think it, it's like, an, I think it's a nonprofit. I need to look this up. It's a nonprofit um, that basically connects low-income students to to schools. There's a QuestBridge um, program for high school students, but also a network afterwards that is not as managed, but it helps connect people with like different events and stuff for 
people who've graduated to um, keep connecting with each other. So it's pretty organized and there are a lot of resources out there for high school students and there are opportunities for those who have graduated to provide support to younger students. Something Mm -hmm. I should definitely look into because I really enjoyed that, that aspect. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing. I think um, also I like that you said if anyone is applying to reach out to you. So that network, it's, it's expanding. Um, Okay. So this next question is a little more general, but who do you look up to? I would definitely say that I look up to my parents. This is a shout out to my mom and my dad, but also to all the immigrants' parents out there. Um, I think the older I I get, I start thinking about the the implications of different actions. You know, my parents literally left their family <laughs> overseas to come over here to learn a language that they didn't know to start a family in an area where there's not a lot of where they had to build their social network. And I came out fine. <laughs> um, and I I think that's just a real testament to their, I think it's a real testament to their perseverance, but also just like their, you know, intelligence navigating a, a new space. So kudos to everyone who can do that because I'm not sure if I could, if I could do that if I needed to. So many people, at least, I mean, people immigrate at all ages, but like, especially being 25 and imagining just uprooting your life and moving to another country. It's so interesting to think about now that I am 25 and know so many people who moved even when they were like 23, you know, it's just interesting. So before we move on to that, I know when you introduce yourself or you like identify yourself, one of the first things as a Vietnamese American. So I'm wondering how your how your identity has evolved over the years, especially as you've entered the working space, um, because it sounds like from what you were describing, you were one of few Asian American families in your town. So I just imagine that's kind of challenging to navigate when people can't necessarily relate to certain things, certain experiences that you might have. So... Yeah, I wonder if you can talk about that. Yeah, this is a really good question. I think about this a lot, even in my adulthood, just because I think it has really, I've really grown over the past couple of years. When I was younger, I was definitely so ashamed of being different. I think if you talk to any person who grew up in a bicultural environment, Um, It's just like, you know, when I was in high school, people would always kind of people would always be off put by my lunches at school or I would try to fit in by like othering myself in a funny way. But like I thought it was a funny way and everyone thought it was a funny way. But if you look if anyone were to look back on like your high school (laughs) actions, you'd be like, wow, I can't believe that I put myself like in that position and said things about, you know, said things about myself to, like, other myself. And it was just, it's such, I put myself in such a negative light, and I perceived myself as just being 
different in a bad way just because I didn't look like my white peers. Growing up, I wasn't particularly proud of being Asian American, but growing up, you know, and then going to college, definitely found some other people that were like me in the fact that they also came from like bicultural and like households, that kind of thing. I had like a... So thanks for sharing. And I'm glad that you are proud of your background now. I would say that Vietnamese culture is just like very, has a really rich history for sure. Like the history of like colonization, migration, uh, how food was influenced. And I definitely have really enjoyed learning about that over the the past few years. And I would highly recommend uh, learning more about Vietnamese culture if you have the chance. Do you have any recommendations of certain books or articles or, you know, people who you recommend other people read? Um, well, there is a book that I have that I need to get through, but it's called The Souls of Yellow Folk. And it it's a series of essays I think I told you about, and it mm-hmm. delves into topics just like being Asian American in the workplace and in like different parts of society and how you view yourself. So I definitely would recommend that. And for social media, if you're interested in like food related, um, just like pages, there's a person called Tuebe and she does very simple Vietnamese recipes. And I would highly recommend it because it's very entertaining, but also the food looks amazing. I'm loving these tips. Um, cool. Well, I'll add those to the show notes. People can easily access them. Um, so on the topic of food, you run an Instagram called Carry Out Delivery. Ever heard of it? Um, so can you give a little background on why you started the Instagram account and what it is, what it's all about? Yeah, for sure. So I actually started off on Yelp. I was writing, I wanted to be Yelp elites and just like get invited to events and try out like a bunch of different restaurants so I started writing a lot like a lot of reviews and like uploading photos and my boyfriend knows that I really enjoy trying out food so he was like you should just make an Instagram and I was like no because I thought you know when you think of an Instagram like a food Instagram that's a lot of that's a lot of work because you need to be, be able to style it have like a decent camera be able to write things about it. And I was not really willing to put in that work. <laughs> but then I started thinking about it and I was like, what else am I doing? So I created my my Instagram and yeah, it has, uh, the rest is history. I am called Carry Out Delivery and I just go to different places in the DMV and take some photos, um, take some photos of the food and write some cool captions that hopefully inspire other people to to try them out. And videos. And videos. Yes, I'm (laughs) I'm getting into videos. It's like pretty fun editing. If you, I'm not like a professional videographer, but definitely putting together like 10 second clips of like food is just so much fun. Like finding music for them too. I think the process is just so fun. Very cool. Where did you learn how to do that? Like, did you just watch YouTube videos? You learn on the job. So I I definitely learned, I don't even know how to describe it, but once you follow other people 
other food bloggers, you kind of get a sense of their style and how you want to portray like food items. And then you, I don't know, you, you, over time you learn the best, what makes, what feels right to you and how, like, if it looks good or not. In terms of videos, I, I just have an app that splits up or like, I have like a, a, a free, I'm not going to say the free part. I have a video editor basically that helps me cut up the videos and do transitions and that kind of thing. So I just kind of learned after doing it a couple of times. So what's your favorite part of running carry out delivery? I love a lot of aspects of it. One of them is that I have made a couple of friends from my blog. So I feel like it's a small world. Like if you live in Northern Virginia, there are a lot of food bloggers and then you're bound to kind of like follow each other and like each other's stuff. And then ultimately I end up meeting a couple of them. So I have like regular foodie friends that I eat with, which is really nice. Um, and just like the, the community, um, I am part of the DMV foodie crew. So that means that's just like a, a kind of formal crew of people who like to eat. <laughs> so that's pretty fun. And they have like events. Sometimes I recently attended a, um, a video call, a video call with them. So that was really fun to get to see new faces. And another part that I like is just being able to see my like other people take my recommendations so if someone goes somewhere and like like try something and they tag me and I'm like wow that that's so fun you know and like I mentioned earlier I really enjoy in general the just the process so taking the photos is fun editing I really enjoy editing making videos is fun writing fun things about uh the food is um really great too and also supporting small businesses during the this time as well Definitely. Yeah, that's, oh, it sounds like it's a really fulfilling side hustle of sorts. Yeah, I, um, I, I was kind of nervous getting it started at first. But once you feel get comfortable with, you know, your flow and create your your style, then it becomes really easy. It's just like second nature at this point. That's awesome. And you have a new special, right? At a restaurant? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, a, a artisanal ice cream place reached out to me and asked if I wanted to create my own ice cream for the month of February. So it is called the Carryouts, which is really fun. I'm like super excited about it. I have to take photos and, and try some of it soon. But it is chocolate ice cream with peanut butter and marshmallow swirl, Snickers, and chocolate pieces. <laughs> that sounds really good. I have a big sweet tooth, so I would say that, um, yeah, desserts are my weakness for sure. What are some of your favorite places to eat in the DMV? I really enjoy desserts, like I said. So my favorite, <laughs> my favorite dessert places are Bake Shop. Have you been to Bake Shop before? I just love their stuff. Like they have a Vietnamese whipped, whipped mm -hmm. cream cake. It's, it's really good. They have really great cupcakes. They have really great cookies. I love it. There's also a place in DC called Rose Avenue, Rose Avenue Bakery, and they just have Asian inspired donuts and different pastries, which I really enjoy. And there's a place in Maryland's Rockville 
that I would highly recommend just for like Asian food. And they really, there's a place called, I don't remember the place's name, but there's a place that has matcha ice cream among other really delicious Asian flavored desserts. And I would highly recommend that as well. It's in the Rockville Town Center. What is something that you've learned about small businesses while working on carry eats delivery, carry out delivery? That is a good question. I would say that definitely small businesses, um, you know, the, the people at small businesses work really hard. So as a person, I, just, I do this as a hobby. So it's not an actual, it's not a career for me, but even like coming at it, coming at it from that angle, you, I just definitely feel uh, a drive to support small business where I can. So I've actually had a few of them reach out to me just to do some promotions and need to try out their, their items. And they're very, you know, hardworking. They're very eager to please people and work really hard to create um, products, food items that uh, will appeal to people. So I definitely, they, they definitely hold a special place in my heart for sure, because I definitely want to show my support and, in every way that I can on social media, because I feel with small businesses, they don't have like a, like a, uh, what's it called? An advertisement arm to it. So they kind of outreach to, you know, the foodie community to, for, for that, what was it called? For that aspect to promote their businesses and that kind of thing. So what are your long-term goals for carry out delivery? I definitely just want to keep growing. Um, I, Again, like I've made a lot of great friends in this journey of mine. So keeping keeping on building my my foodie network, keep discovering new places in the area. Just because DC always has something new, something new popping up, and it's not just like DC, but it's like the DMV area. So I just want to keep on expanding my 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 flavor horizons and trying out different ethnic restaurants and like learning more about, you know, the flavors of different cuisines. So it's basically like growing as a, a blog, but also, you know, I enjoy eating food in general. So keeping on, keeping on what I'm doing. I also, I just want to keep it enjoyable, you know, so working a full-time job, I don't want it to ever become like a source of stress for me. So definitely keeping it light, but keeping it approachable too. So, you know, I definitely like by supporting small businesses on my, with my own money, but also like if places reach out to me, being able to establish different connections with businesses and knowing that I'm there to support them with the, the things that they need. So how have you been staying well, taking care of yourself during quarantine? Oh, man. I have been exercising regularly. I feel like that is a really important aspect of my uh, important routine for my week. So I don't go a lot, but I would say like two to three times a week, like after work, I definitely go for like a, a little run and then lift some weights and actually is a very big stress relief. So um, definitely staying active. I'm really excited for the warmer weather because I play, I like to play tennis. Juliana and I play tennis 
one time and it was pretty fun. And I just like being outside and like doing something, you know, so being active is a really important part of wellness for me, I think. But also I've been calling up a lot of friends. I like to stay connected. And I think this past week, I've just been hitting up a lot of different people, video chatting and just like catching up and keeping, you know, keeping the the outreach going with that. Love it. Also journaling too. Yeah. Oh, really? Do you have any journal prompts or do you just like stream of consciousness? Um, I have a one-line journal and I think that has been pretty good because I, if I am having a really bad day, maybe I will write something neutral about it being a bad day, but mostly I try to stick to positive events that happen. When you look back at it, you can identify like, oh, so that was, that was the one thing that was like notable that day and it was not bad because it's so easy just like when you're stuck at home during quarantine it gets to be mundane but trying to find like a piece of your day that stood out is like really helpful just for like looking back at it I like that yeah that's that's a good idea do you ever experience social media burnout from both your food Instagram and like just personal use Oh, yeah, for sure. For personal use, I actually am not on my personal Instagram or like Facebook that much. I spend most of my time on my food Instagram. And it's so easy to spend so much time on there just because you're engaging with other people, you're editing your photos, you're seeing, you know, how your photos are doing that kind of thing. So I have definitely experienced a lot of burnout and spurts. And definitely it's important to for me to take some time like a week off just to you know decompress and focus on other parts of my life that are just as important I think I turned my notifications off on my on my Instagram that was actually a really big step because you know when you get a notification you're inclined to like open it and see what it is but I manually go check if I have to that kind of thing so that has made a really big difference but yes I think a lot of people who have food blogs run into that issue and people have like higher staminas than other if you've been doing it for a while you can be on it for longer periods of time but you know after I'm staring at a screen for eight hours during the day I probably shouldn't be doing that for like (laughs) three or four more hours after (laughs) yeah and then like watching tv and then there's just a lot of screen time okay so then this is pretty general but what does wellness mean to you or what does it look like to you so wellness for me I think for a lot of people comes in two parts is kind of like the just like mental wellness but also physical and that physiological and physical wellness so I actually have some health related issues that I um just like that I've develops over time actually I have like high cholesterol and like (laughs) apparently I'm like vitamin d deficient so um in that sense I have not been well (laughs) but I am I'm working on it and definitely the exercise it's like twofold it helps with the like the the mental wellness but also the exercising is definitely trying to get like to get better in like the physical the physical ways too. Get your body right. Get your yeah, for my body right. right. So 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say that also for me, like when I think of being well, I think of being kind of like at peace with yourself. And I think during quarantine, I have spent a lot of time with myself and learning more about my quirks and like the things that used to like not like things about myself that didn't bother me as much as I never really had to face it. And then when you're by yourself, you have more time to be like, Oh, (laughs) this is, this is happening to me for me. So I'm definitely learning how like skills on how to like improve yourself and be at peace with yourself is also like another component of like wellness that I've discovered recently. I'm still working on it for sure, but definitely like, growing older, like learning more about myself and learning how to, you know, there's some things that I'm like, wow, this is me. And this is who I am. But other things you're, you definitely, um, you know, find ways to improve and be at peace with yourself. Um, what do you recommend people read, watch and listen to? I think this is a nice little way to close it out. Yes. So I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but if I do, I like really random ones. And have you ever, I would recommend um, Hidden Brain just because, have you you heard of Hidden Brain? Have you heard of Hidden Brain? They're NPR, right? Yes. Okay. I listen to their morning podcast, so I feel like they mention it or it pops up as my recommended podcast. Yes, I would recommend Hidden Brain because it drops a lot of random knowledge that you don't really think about. Um, It's kind of overlooked. It's like putting a name to the phenomenon, um, which I really enjoy. I really enjoy, I'm really enjoying the book that I I brought up earlier, The Souls of the Yellow Folk, that um, that just describes the different Asian American experiences. And also... I don't have anything in particular besides this other book that I'm reading. Actually, I have two books I have I recommend. I found another one on my bookshelf. It's um, Pachinko, <laughs> and it's an older. It's like a book that's set during a like a maybe like the early 1900s. Don't quote me on that, but it's about um, it's like about a Korean the Korean experience, I guess, of a particular person. Um, it's really interesting. Also, on Earth, we were briefly gorgeous. I started reading it, and it's pretty good. But in general, just, especially with the attacks on, like, the, the elderly uh, Asian individuals, but also just kind of in the space where Asians are not looked upon favorably right now. I think it's important to support literature, but also content creators um, who are Asian. So I would, I would recommend those. And then closing question here is how can people follow and support you? I think the, the, the easiest way to support me as a, as a content creator would be to, to follow carry out delivery, especially if you live in the DMV area. I think I provide good recommendations on on restaurants in the area, and I've been trying to emphasize more of like Asian restaurants. I've been spending a lot of time in Annandale, honestly. But um, you know, once once 
things um, go back to normal, I'll like spend more time in DC and kind of explore that scene. So definitely, um, you know, reach out to me if you have any questions, give me a follow. And if I can best, if I can support you, yeah, sign into my DMs. And if there are any ways I can support you, especially if you are a high schooler applying to QuestBridge, then please reach, uh, please reach out to me and I'd be happy to help you with your, your process. Oh, thanks, Gary. This has been so lovely. Hello. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Carrie. Thank you for listening and tuning in to another episode of the That's My Truth podcast. Like I mentioned, all of the information that Carrie talked about, that we talked about, will be included in the show notes. So make sure to follow her on Instagram, make sure to like and engage with her content, and let me know if there are other podcast guests that you'd like to hear. So I really enjoy doing this, especially with friends, but if there are people that listeners want to hear from, definitely reach out. I'm on Instagram at That's My Truth Podcast. And we have an email, we have a website. Um, so get in touch any way you'd like, but um, you can you can find me many places. So reach out. Um, and that's all that we've got for today's episode. So I hope that you have a great week. Uh, make sure to, I hope you have a great, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.